0: Lord Jesus, Son of God, we are yours. In Romans 1, it says that you are the Son of God in power through your resurrection from the dead. We are graced, O Lord, to begin to be given the eyes to see the glories of your grace. We thank you for the multiple testimonies to your work that have been expressed already this morning. And we pray now, as we enter into this part of your story in Luke, that your Spirit would give us attentiveness to ways that you are growing our faith in you, ways that you are deepening our faith in you. And for those of us here this morning that have not the beginnings of faith in you, we pray that your Spirit would work in us You are the one, Lord Jesus, that brought each of us. Begin the work in such people and in all of us bring that work to completion. For the praise of your glory. Amen. Faith. Faith in Jesus. Maturing, growing faith in Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, we are told that that Jesus is the pioneer. He's the beginner and the perfecter of faith in him in the lives of every human being. Where one finds faith in Jesus, that faith has begun and continues through jesus so where is your faith in jesus today for many of us here for many of you here jesus has begun in you such faith in him many of you can say as the apostle paul says in ephesians 2 8 and 9 for it is by grace I have been saved through faith. And this not from myself. It is the gift of God. That is, our faith is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. You are able, with many others here, to testify that once you did not believe in Jesus, but that Jesus has begun to form your faith in him. His faith in you. Over the last few months, we have been journeying into the gospel of Luke. We have already seen in Luke chapters 3 through 7 some of the different ways Jesus pioneers faith in people, how Jesus brings faith in many different kinds of people in many different ways. Jesus welcomes people with various needs to place their faith in him. And he goes to people. He goes long distances for people, to individuals and crowds, demonstrating his power, his compassion, his authority in ways that lead these people to place their faith in him. For those of us that have been here, we have been drawn to Jesus in faith as we have seen others John, to Jesus in faith. But where is your faith in Jesus today? What are ways Jesus presently is maturing your faith in him? Are you attentive to how Jesus is doing this in your life? Jesus says, my sheep recognize my voice. No My voice and follow me. This morning, I want to look with you more closely at a story in Luke that identifies clear ways, clear ways that Jesus perfects the faith in those he has already pioneered faith. I want to look with you at these recognizable ways Jesus matures faith grows, deepens, and expands the faith in those in whom Jesus birthed faith in him, in those whom Jesus is leading to begin to follow him. Many of us here, as I've mentioned, are such people. Jesus has started faith in us. He is now growing our faith in him in recognizable ways. During our recent time of prayer, we called In His Presence, in which Romans 5-8 through shaped our gatherings of prayer around the theme of gospel renewal, personal, church, and community and world. Jesus further matured our faith in Him as we submitted to the authority of Scripture and let this part of God's story shape our faith and prayers in Him. Thank you to all of you who made time to participate in these very important times of prayer as we begin a new season of joining Jesus in his mission here. In Luke 8, verses 22 through 25, we see how Jesus is perfecting the faith of the 12 disciples he has only recently called to follow him in Luke chapter 6. He is growing their faith, not so that they can become trophies for admiration. Oh, look at their faith. Look at his faith. Look at her faith. No, he is maturing their faith so that they can participate with him in his ministry more effectively, which they begin to do in Luke chapter 9 and even more in the book of Acts after Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and exaltation, resulting in their empowerment by the Holy Spirit. This is the work of Jesus in the lives of all Christians. After Jesus begins our faith in him, he perfects it so we can participate with him more effectively in his grand work of reconciling the world to himself Through him. So I want to read with you this story and then look at this story through the angle of how Jesus is growing the faith of those whom he has called to follow him. Now, in my study, I've already counted nine different ways he's maturing their faith. Don't worry, we're not going to stay here beyond the time. But I'm sure as we look at it, you will discover even more ways that Jesus is maturing their faith and does the same in our lives today. As we look at how Jesus grows their faith, I want to keep before us the probing question that Jesus asks in the story of his disciples. Asking, where is your faith? Where is your faith? In Jesus. If we would say it differently, we might say, Are you recognizing the ways Jesus is growing your faith in Him? So you can hear His voice, respond, and follow Him more. Would you join me now in turning to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25? If you're using the Pew Bibles, go to the second, to the last third, Matthew, Mark. Luke, John of the Gospels, go to Luke, to the 8th chapter, verses 22 through 25. Hear with me this rich story of how Jesus grows faith in him. One day, one day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake from the eastern shore of where the mountains, the squall came down on the lake, and the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? Jesus asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, the disciples asked one another, Who is this. He commands even the winds and the waves and they obey him. Thanks be to God for the authority of his word. So let's look at the story. So keep your Bibles open from the angle of how Jesus grows our faith in him. The story begins with the words, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. As the story begins, we see that Jesus calls the disciples to follow him again. One of the great joys of the faith that Jesus grows in us is that Jesus continues to call us To follow him. Some years ago, I led a group of Christians in a book journey through the book by international Christian author Oz Guinness called The Call. In his book, Guinness says that the primary call of every Christian is to continue to hear the voice of Jesus calling us to follow him. In this passage, we see Jesus doing exactly this. Let us go. Jesus says to his disciples, Jesus says to us, let us go. The apostle Paul, another follower of Jesus, writes in Philippians 1, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Jesus says, my sheep, continue to hear my voice and continue to follow me. The work of Jesus in growing our faith is why it is so important we learn to hear correctly. The voice of Jesus saying, let's go again together. In Romans 12, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Where is your faith? Where is Jesus saying to you, let's go again. Come, continue to follow me. But notice something else in the words Jesus says to his disciples. Let us go over to the other side. Jesus not only calls us to continue to hear his voice calling us to follow him, but he communicates the end in his mind that he will bring to completion. In this case, let us go over to the other side of the lake was in his mind as the end he would bring to completion. As you read the scriptures, you learn again and again that God always makes clear the end in his mind for us and all of his creation that he is bringing to completion. This is always true also of Jesus. Jesus always makes clear the end he is bringing to completion. As I read from various parts of scripture during my times alone with God and in community with others, I am always astounded and marvel, sometimes a bit afraid, at how clear God communicates to those in whom he is maturing faith, the end he will bring about through Christ. I could give you many examples of this, but for the sake of time in this service, let me give you one end for our personal lives in Christ that we read in Ephesians 2, verse 6 and 7. We read, And God raised us, the Christian, up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. For those of you that were taught, we go to heaven. The Christian is already seated in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Wow, what an end. For those who believe in Christ, that in the coming ages God might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed through Christ. Wow, isn't that clear? Even if the details haven't yet been known. This past Tuesday, I talked with Pastor Nikki and Pastor Andrew about this passage. Andrew and Nikki lead all the ministry staff. Every first and third Wednesday, in a manuscript inductive discovery Bible study of Jesus through the Gospel of Mark, I wanted to ask them for their insight into this passage. As we discussed this passage, I dared to surface a certain darkness that had come over me from the news over the last few weeks. I said, How do we look at this passage? In light of the tragedies going on in the world, Yemen, Cameroon, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, the Bahamas, just to name a few. I added the news I had just heard about Toronto as of this past Tuesday, that there are now over 300 shooting deaths so far this year, and that number as of this morning is now even higher. When Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat, his end in mind is certain, and he is bringing it about. While we may not see clearly this end in light of our circumstances, his end is secure, his end is good. He is bringing about his end that he continues more and more to make clear to us. So, as we continue in this story, we read they got into a boat and set out. Now, this might seem, excuse me, I think this would be helpful. This may seem like an unimportant detail, but in this too we see how Jesus grows their faith and our faith in him. Not only does Jesus continue to call us to hear his voice and follow him, not only does he make clear the end in his mind that he is bringing to completion, Jesus also calls us to trust him with our competencies, with our capabilities, with our abilities. Let me explain. Some, and more than some, of these first disciples were fishermen. They knew this lake pretty well. They fished this lake. They knew its depth. They knew its dangers. They could see the mountains on the east side of the lake. They knew and had experienced the danger of sudden winds coming over the mountains and through the mountain gaps and blowing up sudden storms on this lake 21 kilometers long, 13 kilometers wide. But Jesus is growing their faith in areas where they feel competent. This is so like Jesus. Jesus even in the areas where we feel competent he calls us to trust in him but let's continue we read as they sailed he fell asleep jesus repeatedly promises us that he will be with us always his last words to his disciples after his resurrection before his ascension were these and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. It doesn't say, I will be with you always sometimes. It doesn't say, I will be with you always in this age, in this moment. He says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Everywhere, all the time, always. One of the greatest comforts to us as Jesus grows our faith in him is that he is with us. And he is not worried. (laughs) He's not worried. He is not worried. He is with us always. And he is not worried. Look at all the areas where we become worried. And if you never get worried, please come. No, don't because you're not being honest. All the ways we can be afraid, even in the areas where we feel competent, we can become anxious. Jesus is with us. He is not worried. But let's continue. Not only is Jesus present, not only is Jesus not worried, even more, he knows the dangers that we are facing are real. We read a squall came down in the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great dangers. Jesus knows the dangers we and the world face. As I thought of this way Jesus grows our faith, my mind went back to 1992, when Barbara and I spent a one-year internship in the Port of Montreal as part of our seminary training. What did I say? Can someone give me a pen? 1980. You know, it's funny how the years go by. 1982. Wow. Maybe I won't change that. That's not the point. We worked with a man who had, at that point, served those who worked on ships already for 25 years. He would always say, Very few seafarers are atheists because they know the dangers of the sea. Each Sunday evening, we would have a service for the seafarers who would come from many countries and come with many different worldviews, believing in many different gods. But one of their favorite passages was from Psalm 107, where the psalmist says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures for others. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And then it continues. Some went down on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. These seafarers would echo the words of the psalmist. They were comforted to know that God was real The God who made creation was real and was present with them on the seas as they faced these dangers. And many of them would profess their faith in Jesus Christ. Some would be baptized. In my own life, I have been challenged again and again when I am worried, afraid, and in danger to trust him with real dangers I face. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, you, you. You. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus knows the dangers we face. He knows the dangers you face. He is with us. He is not worried. Before we come to the end of this story, let's pause and ask ourselves the question Jesus asks. Where is your faith? In this story, we are seeing some of the many ways Jesus grows our faith. He continues to call us to hear his voice, calling us to follow him again. Let's go, again. He matures us to know his clear end that he is bringing to completion. He challenges us to trust him with our competencies, our abilities, our capabilities. He shows us that he is with us and he is not worried. And he knows the real dangers that we face. Are you recognizing this work of Jesus as he grows your faith? What a grace that he not only begins our faith in him, but does not stop growing it in him. Let's finish this story as the disciples come to Jesus saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. These words make sense to us. I see myself coming to Jesus many times in my life saying the same. Master, save me. I am going to drown. For Jesus, these words by his disciples and us lead Jesus to say, where is your faith? Jesus hears in us our lack of faith. Always. And if I may add, often. Why was this a lack of faith in them? Is it not obvious? His disciples came to Jesus with a different end than the one Jesus had in mind that he was going to bring to completion. He had said, Let us go to the other side of the lake. They were saying, Master, we're going to drown. Who is right? Whom can we trust? Clearly, Jesus grows our faith to trust in him for his ends that he will bring to completion. During your time of Bible reading alone, I urge you to read Hebrews 11, where we read summaries of those great cloud of witnesses in whom Jesus grows faith. In every case, we see that he grows their faith in the end that God promises, even if the promise is fulfilled after their death. I won't take time now to read a few quotes from there. Jesus calls us to live by faith in him to the end, which will come after we have died, but certainly will come when he comes again. He is coming again and will complete his work of making all things new. As we continue with this story and as I run out of time, we read that Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Jesus showed himself powerful over their crisis. Jesus self shows himself powerful over our crises. Many of you have experienced what David says in Psalm 34. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Many of you have experienced that after God has delivered you, bringing you out of a crisis Jesus then says to you, my son, my daughter, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? You may hear the words of Jesus as a rebuke. Yet Jesus is perfecting your faith so that over time you approach the real dangers you face with growing faith in him. This is the work of perfecting his faith in us. And we end this story with the response of the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. This is as it should be. As Jesus deepens our faith in him, he moves us to fear him and draw near to him at the same time, to marvel at him, to worship him to bow before him for his glorious grace. This is as it should be. So where is your faith in Jesus? Is not he who began your faith in him growing your faith in him? Is not the Holy Spirit making you more and more attentive to how Jesus is doing this? As we think of this story, there are so many ways Jesus is calling us to be honest about our faith. Let me summarize some of our observations from this passage as questions for you to consider. Where is Jesus leading you to hear his voice, to follow him again? What is he teaching you about his end that he will bring to completion? What are ways he's challenging you to depend on him with your competencies and abilities. And for those of you scrambling to take notes, I'll ask Linda on Monday with the prayer update to include these. How is he showing you that he is present with you and he is not worried? What are the dangers you are facing that he knows so you can come to him with your fears? What lack of faith does he hear in you as you come to him? Where is he showing himself powerful Where is he making you aware of your lack of faith? Where is he moving you to fear, amazement, worship, deeper faith in him? In Hebrews 12, we read words appropriate as we close. Therefore, since we, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of faith. Let us go together in him For him, through him. Amen. Let's worship him.